Adventure. We're talking real money. Welcome to the daily edition of Talking Real Money. Again, I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for tuning in, listening in. I'm still used to saying tuning in because of my 30 years in broadcasting. You're listening. You're not really tuning. Thanks for picking us. This is a show about money, about money and how you deal with it and how you can deal with it better and kind of avoid all the stupidity out there because there's a ton of stupidity on Wall Street and, you know, with your friendly neighborhood broker and all over the place. And you can also call and I'll answer your questions on the podcast every day at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. So make those calls, leave that message 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whenever you happen to be listening and you go, oh, I did want to know that. Well, then call 855-935-TALK and always visit us at TalkingRealMoney.com. Well, today, Monday, today's a Monday. First day of the week, and today, a very famous mutual fund manager retired. He quit the picking business, the cotton picking business. He quit the bond picking business. A guy by the name of Bill Gross, who most recently worked for Janice Henderson, but prior to that, he was the manager of the PIMCO Total Return Fund. And he managed to impressively beat the market with, as Market Watch said, a series of savvy bets. Now, there's a really important word in their sentence where they said market beating returns and savvy bets how did he beat the market when so few others have ever beaten the bond market it's almost impossible to beat the bond market he beat it because he was placing bets he bought up a whole bunch of mortgage-backed debt in the midst of the 2008 financial crisis betting that they would recover you know what happens when you bet sometimes? Yeah, you, you lose. You lose more times than you win. Any of you ever gone and played slot machines? Yeah, you, 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 if, you, if you win, you win a couple of bucks, but you never win much. And more often than not, you lose and you count your blessings that you got a free drink. Right? But still, there are people like Elmer Sherwin. Elmer Sherwin must be the best slot machine player in the world. But how can you beat the slots? You can't beat the slots. The slots are the slots. But in 1989, Elmer Sherwin should have gone down in history like Bill Gross. Elmer Sherwin won $4.6 million playing slots in Las Vegas. Then he must have been really good because 16 years later, he played slots and won $21 million. I bet he was just so smart. He was such a good mutual, I mean, I'm sorry, slot machine manager. It's just incredible. Oh, and back in 1891, there was a guy uh, who went to Monte Carlo and played roulette. Monte Carlo roulette. How James Bond show him. For 11 hours, he played roulette 
1891 and won over one million francs. That's an incredible chunk of change. He actually broke the bank in Monte Carlo. He had to go. They had to go get more chips. And then, less than a year later, he comes back and plays roulette again. What did he win? Another million francs, and he did not cheat. Uh, he was on a. He was using what was what's called the the martingale system for doubling down whenever you lost a bet. Well, for most people, doubling down when you lose a bet means you lose everything just faster. No, he won. There was a woman in the United States who won two Powerball lotteries. Two. Is she a brilliant lottery player? What is she? What is she? What was? Charlie Wells in uh, in Monte Carlo. What was Elmer Sherwin in Vegas? What were they? What is the word we would give to them? These people who returned huge or, or enjoyed huge returns on their bets. We would call them lucky. Why do we not say, well, look at that Bill Gross guy. Yeah, he was really lucky. I wouldn't have invested with him because, well, he was really lucky, but Congratulations, Bill, on being really lucky. Because the funny thing is, is his luck vanished. So it couldn't have been skill. And it was it was hysterical in the in his later years. He kept blaming other people for his bad bets. Well, if the Federal Reserve acted normally, that would have worked out for me just fine, but it's not my fault, it's the Federal Reserve's fault. Bill, 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 Bill. So glad you're retiring. And the lesson, the moral of this tale, these people can't know the future but they do like gamblers occasionally get lucky and sometimes they get lucky more than once two times three times five times there are a lot of lucky gamblers in history but it doesn't mean they're smart just lucky 855-935-TALK is our number 855-935-8255 and it's time for the call of the day. Hi, Don. Um, this is Keith. I've been a fan a long time living in the Seattle area. I'm also a fan of Dave Ramsey. I really like both of you guys' advice, but I have one struggle on the Ramsey recommendations. He recommends paying off the house at some point. I love the concept of being debt-free and mortgage-free, but I am torn with locking up the capital in the house versus letting it grow in the market. Uh, my risk quiz score is 69, and I am a comfortable investor. I am debt-free except for the mortgage and will probably retire in two to five years. I have the funds to pay off the mortgage, um, and my mortgage is currently 3.45%. Uh, thanks, and I really look forward to your answer. I, too, uh, listen to Dave Ramsey. I used to listen to him more than I do because I don't ever get in the car, which is where I listen to most of my AM radio. But oh, day I have a I have some I have some Dave issues. I know some of us have some daddy issues or mommy issues. I have some Davey issues. Uh, love the fact, love 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 the fact that he is so encouraging when it comes to paying down debt. That you know he gives you that tough love and you get the debt down. And my gosh, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, how incredible it is to be free from debt, except mortgage debt. And there we, well, we we vehemently disagree on two things. I'll get back to the mortgage debt in a minute. We also totally disagree on how to invest. 
No, you do not go to stockbrokers and pay a commission and buy a growth fund and a growth and income fund. That is just weird advice. Uh, It's advice that one would give if one was a stockbroker, not if one was looking out for one's audience. Because bear in mind, Dave makes a handsome sum of money charging stockbrokers to be part of his network of stockbrokers. So if he was actually telling you to do the things that we suggest you do, that is, go with a fee-only advisor who is always required to act in your best interest. Now, why would it be better to go to someone who's not required to act in your best interest than to someone who is required to act in your best interest? I find that most 100% fiduciary advisors truly do have a teacher's heart. Stockbrokers have a vinyl salesman's vinyl siding salesman's heart use car dealers heart uh they don't have teachers hearts they're not there to teach they're there to get the next commission and dave makes out uh handsomely from from their their advertising uh, being part of his network whatever it's called now change the name because he got in trouble with the sec he did got in trouble with the sec for taking a percentage of uh, advisory fees uh, without being a registered investment advisor, which Dave is not, or an invest investment advisor representative. But the mortgage thing is the other concern I have. Steve, you have a 3.5% mortgage, for heaven's sake. That's like stealing money. Wait, not only is it a 3.5% mortgage, but I bet every time you do your taxes, you look at that interest deduction and go, wow, that was kind of nice. That felt good. So it, re- it it further reduces the cost of your mortgage. You're probably in a relatively high bracket, at least 25%. So it reduces your mortgage by about eight or nine-tenths of a percent. So really, after taxes, your mortgage rate is far lower. Your cost of living there is far lower. We all have a cost of living somewhere. And as a matter of fact, I, the, only t- the only way I'd, I'd be thrilled with you paying off your mortgage as if you sold your house and moved into a rental because i really believe and i know you're in the seattle area and and the seattle area has been spoiled by rapidly rising real estate prices but that's not they, they it's not necessarily going to continue home real estate prices historically have risen very little uh, just slightly above the rate of inflation they're an inflation hedge maybe but they also have bad times. And you raise the number one issue with paying off a house. Illiquidity. Should the real estate market, either regionally or nationally, suffer a downturn like it did in 2008, and someday it will again, and that just happens to be the day when you or your wife needs to go into some expensive long-term care, and you've got all of that money, and you can't live in the house anymore. It just doesn't make sense, and the market's not good. you got all this money tied up, and you can't get it out. You cannot get it out. So I think you should do what you're doing. Keep your mortgage. If you've got the money to pay it out, pay it off, I should say, well, you can tolerate some volatility in your investment portfolio based on your risk quiz score. So get it into your investments. Make sure they're not with a stockbroker. Make sure they're no load, massively diversified, 
passively managed funds that just replicate the stock market of the planet with a portion of them in your case as you're approaching retirement and the like you know you're in that 30 40 percent maybe even if you want to be real say 50 percent bond portfolio area but make sure it's high quality government bonds uh and just keep that nice cheap mortgage very i mean i don't i don't predict the future but the times when we've had three and a half percent mortgages in this country have been few and far between. You you got lucky. You got lucky. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. 855-935-8255. Ask your questions. I'll answer them on the daily podcast that you're listening to right here, right now. And for today's term of the day, let's talk about that word that it's so strange. 30 Five years ago, when I first started in the financial services industry, I never heard anyone in the investing business use the term fiduciary. No one used it. As a matter of fact, it rarely got any use until the 21st century, when suddenly we started thinking a lot about the type of advice that people in the financial services industry have been providing. And to date, the vast majority of the advice being provided by people in the financial services industry has not been fiduciary advice. It's been based on what's called the suitability standard. You can give somebody advice that's suitable, like you can sell them a five and three quarter percent load fund when there's a no load fund that's just as good or better available because it's suitable. Doesn't have to be in your best interests. Now, the definition of a fiduciary, something that involves trust, a trustee, someone in whom you can put total trust. The legal definition of it, though, is someone who is required to put your interests ahead of their own. A fiduciary, your doctor, do they always put your interests ahead of theirs? No. Are they required to? Yes. You're a lawyer. Do they always do it? Not necessarily. Are they required to? Yes. Your stockbroker, do they always? No, absolutely not. Are they required to? No. No. Unless they are acting as an investment in an investment advisory capacity. If they're selling you a product, then it is a suitability relationship. Which is why I came up with the goofy, and it was tongue-in-cheek, idea of what I call advocaps. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com and scroll down the page. You'll see the advocaps. Uh, No one's, I mean, only one person's purchased any of them. I'm selling them at cost. I know they're expensive, but I only had a few handmade. And when you don't get a 1,000 of them, they're expensive. But one cap says, in your best interest, and the other cap says, merely suitable. I thought they might be an interesting dating tool too. You know, you could you could say you're in their best interests or you're just barely suitable. Um, humor. So anyway, that's what a fiduciary is. Check out that the hats. They're kind of cool. If you want to find a fiduciary advisor, we do have a tool at Talking Real Money that will help you find one. If you want to spend some time talking to a one hundred percent always acting in your best interest kind of fiduciary advisor and do it for nothing. We will not be your advisor for life, but we do have people, registered advisors, investment advisor representatives who work for Vestry, who will help you get some of those questions answered or take a quick look at your situation, and we'll do it for nothing, and we won't charge you. You just set up the appointment online at TalkingRealMoney.com. 
So let's see. With that said, I uh, think we're going to call it an episode for today and do another one tomorrow. Thanks for being there. Please, 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 please subscribe at iTunes or Apple Podcasts because it helps boost our ranking. And the other thing that we like is to hear what you think. Give us an honest review. We actually got some one stars. People said one star to these guys. One star. I am confident because not a single person who gave us a one star wrote anything down. I'm pretty sure it's like stockbrokers going, I hate this guy. One star. Which is okay. If you don't like it, that's okay. doesn't hurt my feelings. Lots of people have benefited from the advice on this podcast and on my shows. So thanks for listening. Take good care. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.